Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am once again, for the first time in a while, due to a lot of scheduling conflicts, joined by my friend J.D. Hall. J.D., in the tradition of throwing a curveball, when you expect a fastball, your Chicago Bears traded Khalil Mack today. And I just want you to talk about how the Khalil Mack era in Chicago affected your life. Um, definitely brought a lot more excitement to it because I felt we had uh, all right team needed a lot of help, but uh, yeah, Mac Mac just made me feel like we was always in the game with his defense, with his intensity, with what he brought. I always had hope that we could we could win. I hate that uh he was traded. To be honest, I wanted him to stay, but I can't be upset with that. He tried, give him opportunity to go be great somewhere else. Yeah, and the Bears, JD. I'm sorry to tell you this, they are not going to be good next year. Um, it will not be your guys's year, but that's okay. You know, they can, you guys can't win every year. You know, hopefully take a step in the right direction with Justin Fields next year and you know hopefully the bears can unseat aaron Rodgers in the next couple of years that's the hope but jd there's a lot to talk about in Man, terms of- i always hope to be him every year <laughs> yes i mean i hope aaron Rodgers loses every year too shout out to our friends will hogsett and justin powell because we want them we want to see them suffer every single year and absolutely the way they lost in the uh in the second round was one of the funniest ways to lose a football game. Just straight up. Just one of the funniest ways. But we got to get on the basketball train. JD, Jarrett Allen broke his finger, and I believe he's going to miss about four weeks. Um, the Cavs haven't been doing great, really, like, at all since their really hot start. And, JD, I'm just wondering, like, if you're a team in the Eastern Conference – is Cleveland the team you're trying to play the most in the first round right now? Um, depending on who I am, I think they could be a bad matchup for a team like Boston due to Boston not having the size. But outside of that, I, I, I think, yeah. Because <laughs> even going against like Brooklyn, we know they wouldn't be able to, to defend Brooklyn. Um, with with my boys, we we've had great success versus them this season. Um, so yeah, for the most part, I think they'll be the ones that people look to try to take advantage of, rightfully so. So right now, um, I need to pull up the standings real quick. But right now, it's. They're they have a good lead on the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. Uh, and the Raptors, so I don't think there's any fear of the Cavs falling into the seven spot. So okay, that's enough filibustering. So right now, the Raptors are 35 and 30, and they are three games back of the Cavaliers. And I believe the Cavaliers have the tiebreaker because they won on Sunday. Yeah. So there's really no way the Cavs are going to be in the play-in <laughs> unless they just collapse like completely. 
But I mean, JD, like even if they go 48 and 34 and lose in the first round, that's the most successful season they've had without LeBron since like Mark Price and Brad Doherty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's like, that's a long time ago. So that was before either of us were born. And I mean, JD, just like, shout out to the Cavs. I don't think, <laughs> I think they're definitely not winning a series this year, but hey. You know, this is a great year for them. Hopefully they grow from this. We had a couple of returns. One's happening next week and the other happened already. Draymond Green said on his own podcast that he's going to be returning next week against the Washington Wizards. And the Warriors have sucked without Draymond. JD, what kind of impact do you think Draymond will have coming back for the Warriors? Uh, I think people need to put the respect on his name that he deserved after watching the Warriors um, suffer without him. I want to say that first. And then I want to say, I think it's going to, we know what he's going to mean to their defense. I don't even want to have to speak on that. But offensively, I think we'll get um, 40% three-point shooting from Stephen Clay back. Um, I think Jordan Poole going to benefit a lot from it. He'll be able to spot up a little more. But, I mean, it's Jordan Poole. He a flamethrower. He's shooting regardless. Uh, let me see. Looney. Looney get to be Looney. Kaminga get to be Kaminga. He won't have to shoot as many threes. Not saying Kaminga a bad shooter, but he's an attacker. <laughs> We want to see him slashing and dunking as much as we as much as they can. So I think they offense gonna benefit just as much as they defense, just because that's what he means to them. They they success versus a lot of teams that go big is because Draymond can get rebound and push the break. Everybody talk about the shooting that they have. A lot of the shooting comes from Draymond pushing the break and them getting open off of that. So I personally believe it means everything to them. They'll get back to their winning ways. Years ago, it was a proven fact that the Warriors was a better team when Draymond played than when Steph played. And it's absurd to think about when you say the greatest shooter of all time needs somebody like Draymond. Well, yes, yes, he does. And that's just the facts of the matter. You're absolutely right on that last part. I mean, you would think, you know, like Steph, for, like he can create a lot for himself, right? But I think we see, like, I don't know if you watched the Minnesota Golden State game or if you've watched any of the games, but they could just throw three guys on Steph right now because Clay's not at that level that he used to be at, right? Like Clay's been pretty yeah. good. He, he he's, he's coming back in the form, but we could tell that, he he's still not in basketball shape. That that's a big problem that they face right now. Clay not in basketball shape yet, and I mean it is gut wrenching for them. They they need him to be because without it, they don't have nobody to help Steph. Oh, and JD, the Warriors are twenty eight and six with Draymond. They're sixteen and sixteen without him. And yeah. 
They lost to the Lakers, who just lost to the Rockets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for LeBron going supernova, we know that they don't. LeBron would never shoot that good with Draymond in the game. LeBron shot like nine for 27 with Eric Gordon guarding him. I don't understand. Like, I'm sorry, Eric Gordon, the Warriors, like, you're telling me the Warriors don't have better defenders right now than Eric Gordon? Like, that's some crazy talk. I think that, listen, it's just bad in Golden State right now. Draymond's going to, like, he's going to fix some of their woes. But this is my thing, JD. Like, are we sure Steph isn't, like, falling off right now? Like, are, am I crazy? He's not been like the drop off from last year to this year. He was averaging. He's like 32 points a game last year. This year, he's down to 24.5. I mean, I don't know if that's all Draymond and not like some of it being Steph. He wasn't shooting as well as he did last year, even with Draymond out there. And I, yeah, I think I think a lot of it just may be probably tired. I don't think um we 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 un, I don't think people really understand the the load that Steph was carrying last season was more than just scoring and being a great shooter it was like the way Steph had to fight to get open I believe that took a lot out of him and I think now he just looking a little regular just for the simple fact he been doing this for so long he gotta look normal at some point yeah and Steph's played 60 games this year he played 63 games last year JD that means in a span from Christmas 2020 till now 2022 (laughs) He has played in 123 games. Um, that's a lot. <laughs> he gassed. I, I honestly believe Steph is gassed. That's that's probably the case, but it's bad when you're like a one man team. I he, they're not a one man team, but he's the. It's too much on him right now. Yeah, and that's why he needed Clay so bad. Like even in the games that he's been shooting bad. With Clay out there, he's been able to get a little more space and opportunity to be himself. Yeah, oh well, the shot not falling. It's just the fact he's getting an opportunity. We know Steph don't need to take 30 shots to be effective. Yeah, and I mean, they need Wiggins to start playing well again, which he should when Draymond gets back, but who he's looked bad without Draymond. <laughs> he has not looked I think great. he benefits greatly from Draymond just because... On both he, sides. He don't got to exert as much energy on, exactly on both sides. On both sides, like, is like a quarterback, and Draymond's like the... Draymond's... I, Julian Edelman, he's like Wes Welker. Right. Okay. I don't think Wes Welker is as successful as he is if he doesn't play all those years with Tom Brady. I know. And so maybe that's the the comparison here. I we really need to move on from the Warriors. But this is I agree with everything you're saying. Um a hundred percent. I don't think we need to get we need to move on though, because I know you have places to be and people to see. Um Victor Oladipo <laughs> returned this week as well. He had 11 points, I believe, against the Uh Rockets on Monday. And JD, I don't think the Heat really needed more guard depth. But here's a question for you. 
what percentage of old Oladipo does he need to play at to be a, just effective for this version of the Heat? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I say 40, but we want 60. The reason I say we want 60 is as a fan, you know what what Vic was able to do when healthy. You so just to see him at 60% of that, he's gonna look like he's about 80% as good with that team because it fits everything about the style that we know of Vic. And he, like, it's going to be tough to expect him to be as athletic as he used to be. He's barely played basketball the last three yeah. seasons. Seeing him catch a lob um, and shoot around was like, I didn't know he could still do that. His last, so since the year he made all NBA, he's played like a season and a half, if that, like, barely one point like three seasons <laughs> in like four years. And that that year in Indiana for Vic was magical. I don't think there's any other way to put it. Like he was one of the best players on the planet. He, he made second team all NBA. He was really yeah. good that year. And he deserved to make all NBA that year, but it's kind of crazy just how fast the injury sapped what made him special. I hope he can get back to it. I don't think it's a guarantee that he will. I think the Heat just need him to be a dynamic option off the bench, right? Yeah. Just <laughs> just be just be the number two for Tyler Hero. Yeah, I was gonna say not not that they need another dynamic option off the bench, but if you have two, like we saw last year in Utah, right? Where Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles off the bench carried the Jazz for a lot of games. Like those two. I think they don't win as many games as they do last year without those two. And I'm not saying I think Tyler Hero is better than either of those guys, the way he's playing this year. If Clarkson can be, you know, I think he better. Or as Clarkson, if Oladipo can be, you know, half as good as those guys, I think that's one of the deadliest one, two guard combos off the bench we've seen. Absolutely. It'll be tough because again, he's coming back so late in the season it's kind of unfair to have high expectations for him, but I agree. 40% of yeah. is probably, I'm not going to say it'll push him over the finish line because there's a lot of questions. Like I don't, I don't trust the heat's front court depth. I'm just going to be honest. Like Markeith Morris still hasn't played <laughs> since um, yeah. that whole thing. I mean, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to relitigate it. <laughs> it's been a while, but yeah, so Markeith Morris still hasn't played. If P.J. Tucker gets hurt, they have no natural fours on this roster. And no. That to, that to me is a problem. Like, Deadman can space in theory, but the only time he really shot well was getting passes from Trey Young. So I don't trust his jumper. And that just means you are you don't have any, like, options at the four. P.J. Tucker has been really durable, but he's... What, 36? They just have to play Bam there, to be honest. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. I think he's best off as a center, which kind of messes with your spacing. Like, I, they are, their spacing already isn't great to begin with. <laughs> yeah, it's just they they, they, they kind of mitig- 
uh, negate that with the shooters that they have. Right. Like, they so... And the chemistry. If you could just say, hey, PJ, take 20 of your pounds and give them to Duncan, you might have your solution there. Unfortunately, (laughs) life doesn't work that way. But... Yeah. That'd be huge. I still have the heat as... At the moment, a slight favorites to come out of the East. It pains me to say it, but I don't think if I think if Rick Lopez isn't healthy, then the the, the Bucks have no shot really. But we'll we'll see. There's still time to go. I'll I'll make a more formal Eastern Conference champion prediction in April. But um, also I didn't put this on the agenda. <laughs> I trashed the Wizards last week on my monologue, JD, and then I'm like Chris Stapps, you know. What are they doing with him? He's not even going to play this year. Monday, the day the podcast releases, Chris asked for Zingas plays. I just thought that was funny. I, you know, I didn't, and didn't have a bad game. No, he's he looked pretty good, but still, I I think I'd rather have Gafford. That was the kind of the gist of my whole argument. Just like I'd rather have the other two guys, but you know, I don't have to relitigate that right now. Um, Cam Reddish, this happened today. Cam Reddish separated his shoulder. He's going to be out for six weeks, and it sounds like that's going to end his season. Um, JD, I, I don't think we've talked about this. Are you Cam Reddish guy? Like, how much of a believer are you in his game? Um, I really want him to do well. It's just how we can't really say we've seen anything from him. He wasn't – I don't like the fact that he don't get it playing time in uh, New York enough. I don't know what Tibbs doing. Tibbs about to lose his job and probably won't be hired again unless he's going to be a defensive coach for a team. We're going to talk about Tibbs. Don't you worry. (laughs) But, like, outside of that, I really believe that he should be playing a lot more. So, I think it hurts because he's one of them guys that he's sometimes just going these random spurts of just shooting where you're like, bro, why the hell he wasn't in already? Yeah. And I mean, like, you just go through, like, the game log, right, of how many points he scored. He had a random 34-point game, random 33-point game against your Bulls, J.D., in the span of a week, right? But then you go through the list and you see he plays 20 minutes and scores (laughs) seven points. Yeah. You you see he plays 20 minutes and scores five points. Too inconsistent. I mean, he's he's only 21, so it makes sense. But at some point, the ball needs to start going in the basket, right? Yeah. I think... He's still learning the game, I think, because he haven't had real consistent playing time. I would agree with that. Yeah, and he's turning 23 in September. I think what they do with him... Listen, the Knicks... Well, Again, we'll talk more about Tibbs later. <laughs> they need to hire a coach that'll actually play their young guys because that's a disgrace what's going on there. But yeah, uh, <laughs> on to a team that actually does play their young guys, J.D., the Minnesota Timberwolves, 38 and 29, good for seventh in the Western Conference. Um, real quick, in case you need a reminder, I'll put it in the title, obviously, but our team for this week are the Wolves, the Knicks, and the Grizzlies. And it's an exciting week for all all three of those teams, really. But the Wolves are currently on a six-game winning streak. Last Tuesday, they beat the Warriors 129 to 114. They beat the Thunder 138 to 101, beat the Blazers 135 to 121 beat the Blazers again, 124 to 81, then beat the Thunder last night, 132 to 102. JD, 
The Wolves are ki- killing it right now. It's their first six game winning streak since the year KG won MVP. <laughs> and right now, JD, after 67 games, the Wolves have the same record that they did that year Jimmy Butler was there. How are yeah. you feeling about the Wolves at this particular moment in time? People might not agree with what I'm about to say. But I think this person deserves a lot of credit for what is going on over there. So it's the Patrick Beverly effect. It's the Pat Bev effect. I absolutely love it. I think that, uh, I mean, if anybody heard what Reggie Jackson just said for the Clippers, they still trying to carry the culture that he left because he, what he did just meant that much to a team. You see him on the bench the other night. He, he, was, he was the first person up every time on a timeout. Every time a big play was made. It's the Patrick Beverly effect. I just watched what he said on the JJ Reddit podcast where he said he told once the Clippers lowballed him, told them it was disrespectful and how he wanted to uh, get traded. I didn't even know he asked for that trade. But you know what my favorite part is about it? He said he told them we making the playoffs as soon as he got there. And I believe they will. I honestly believe wholeheartedly they'll make the playoffs. Am I upset if they don't? No, but I believe they will. So we'll talk more about their playoff chances in a sec, but I agree with what you just said about Pat Bev, right? And a lot of people find what he does annoying. And to be fair, if you are like really aggravated by people playing hard, (laughs) then I can see why you'd find it annoying. But they needed someone, right? Patrick Beverly, he he hasn't won a ring, but he's been deep in the playoffs many times. He's made a few conference finals. I don't yeah. he's only been on Houston and the Clippers, so he never made the finals. <laughs> but he made was on a lot of deep playoff runs. He, you know well, he was on Miami. He wasn't really on Miami. Well, didn't he get cut in training <laughs> camp? <laughs> It's not the same thing. That's not the same thing. But yeah, like the wolf, the wolves needed that veteran leadership, right? They had a really strong finish of the year last year. I don't remember what their exact record was, but I know they were like seven and 26 at one point and they finished with about 30 wins. And everyone in like golden state was like, hell yeah, we're about to get the fourth pick in the draft. And they got seventh. Right. And Kaminga looks really good, but Chris Finch made a huge turnaround there. And I think bringing in Patrick Beverly, who's like, I think his defensive intensity has unlocked a defensive intensity in D'Angelo Russell. I think it's unlocked a defensive intensity in Carl Anthony Towns. I think they've Mm -hmm. like Jared Vanderbilt's one of my favorite players to watch in the league. Cause it feels like that dude (laughs) is always around the glass. He's everywhere. Always around the glass, always in, you know, your best player's chest. Just like always doing something good on the basketball court. But you're right. I think Patrick Beverly changed the culture there. And I think culture is one of those things that a lot of people who subscribe to 
really heavy analytical approaches to the game kind of they're like oh you know it's whatever but having a culture in place is one of the most important things in the league because you have a team identity you have team principles i just think there's so much there and i i think patrick beverly like you said i think he's such an important piece for that and he's not shooting great but he doesn't need to because he what he's bringing on defense is just amazing from a night in night out basis yeah, the shooting is just a plus. I think um, one of the best things that I've seen with him going over there, you talked about the defense intensity. I think one of the best things that I've seen was the fact that everything, like you said, it's a culture aspect. Everything that he has told those young guys, I think you could tell this paying off. Like, I see him talking to Anthony Edwards all the time on the bench. I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Edwards become a good defender. He got all the talent. He got all the skills to be. I just don't think he he pitched like he caught up to that part of his game yet. But I believe that it's there. And then another thing, um, I don't know if you heard this, but. You know, Patrick Beverly, his other option was uh, the Grizzlies. He was traded to the Grizzlies, and then they traded him to Minnesota. So, yeah, those those was both of the teams he had, but Memphis wasn't sure in the direction they wanted to go because he wanted to start next to Ja. And... They was like, he said, they said something like, yeah, well, we'll have to see about what's going on here first. So he was like, yeah, I want out. Yeah, I just found that very interesting. But yeah, for sure. I I, I really love the uh, fit that he made over there. And I think that with what he brings, it'll, it'll last for a while. If what he does is still affecting the Clippers, I know for a fact what he's doing over there for those young guys, it'll last for a while. And the Wolves right now are three and a half games up on the Clippers for the seventh seed. In all likelihood, if the standings if the standings held right now, they'd have home court advantage in the first play-in game. Jay, just like real quick, do you think there's any chance they catch Denver or Dallas or Utah? Right now, Utah's four games ahead of them, and Dallas and Denver are tied. And Minnesota's two and a half games behind them. Do you think, like, is there any realistic shot that they pass them in the standings, or do you think that the Wolves stay in seven? Uh, I believe that they stay in seven. Only way they can catch Denver is if Jokic missed time. Uh, and similar for uh, Dallas. And we already see, we already saw Rudy miss a lot of time, which is, I think, one of the reasons why the Jazz are where they are. I don't think Rudy's going to miss any more time if he doesn't have to. So, yeah, I think I think they that they pretty set um, in Utah, which I hate. Yeah, I know. I know you're not the biggest uh, Utah Jazz fan, but so right now they'd be playing the Clippers in Minnesota in their first play-in game. Let's just say the Clippers get one of the guys back. Right? Is there any chance they beat the Clippers? In the game, do you think? I don't. 
Like, let's no. just say they get Norm Powell back. Even that. Like, they beat that version of the Clippers, right? They should, but I don't know if they will. And that's, on, and that's only because, like, we've seen, like, come on now. We've we seen the Clippers get wins this season they shouldn't have. And it, it, it turned me to a believer that they could, they could be an upsetting team in the um, play-in. Which they really shouldn't even be in the play-in. It's just that they, what Talu has done over there, man, is coach of the year type stuff. That's it's him, it's Ime Udoka, and then fill in your next pick. Like, there's so many great picks for coach of the year this year. It's honestly insane. But yeah, I don't think they beat the Clippers. But we we both agree. There's a hundred percent chance they beat the Lakers right now. Like the Lakers suck and. That's if the this is about to be even worse. Can we say the Lakers got it locked up right now? I mean, Ingram's gonna miss. It sounds like at least a week, maybe more. at least a week. So that takes the Pelicans out of jumping them. The Blazers are still in six or still in eleventh, despite being on a six-game losing streak. Your Spurs aren't wanting to take the bait on jumping the Blazers even. So I. I don't believe in the Lakers at all, but <laughs> the um, the teams below them aren't inspiring much confidence right now. Yeah, I just, I, I can't trust them at all. No, they suck. They suck, and it's their own fault. But the Wolves, I just think Cat, Cat killed them the last time they played too. I don't remember how much he had, but... Cats amazing. And I, I think we're talking about like what they can and can't do. Let's talk about like the actual team. You know, <laughs> we talked more about Patrick Beverly than any of their stars. But JD, like this team, I think they have three legitimate stars right now. I think like I think Angela Russell, I, I want to talk a lot about him. He's made like legitimate steps in his game where I think he's a lot better than he was last year. Um but we got to start with Carl Anthony Towns. You know, he's been there since 2015, number one overall pick. You know, the whole controversy with your guy, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but, J.D., I think he's gotten to a place now where you have to take him seriously on both sides of the basketball. 24 points, nine rebounds a game, shooting crazy efficient from three. Like, <laughs> J.D., is this a successful model for a team to win around Carl Anthony Towns? Um, for the most part, yeah. For the most part, yeah. Only because you you start to see that the complementary pieces now they may not be the best at what they do, but you see that this is a a system that could work for him, and that's what you that's what you need the most to see what works with your best player. Yeah, and I mean, I think Edwards is a really complimentary player for him. And I think he needed someone else. Wiggins was really, like, Wiggins was fine off the bounce, but Wiggins, we see he's gotten a lot better since taking a reduced role, right? Edwards is somebody who actually is dangerous off the dribble, right? They had a guy like that in Levine, and they traded him to Chicago, 
for yeah. Jimmy Butler. And I, I want to see what would have happened if Levine stayed in Minnesota. We'll obviously never know. But <laughs> um, Edwards, to me, like he's so the way he creates off the dribble, right? He can be the dominant guy while Cat. I think Cat to me is like a he's a a superstar, right? I think he's one of the twenty five best players in the NBA. But talent wise, I don't think. Well, I think he's like just straight up. I think he's one of the twenty five best basketball players right now. I think we might disagree on that, but I don't think you can like name more than 25 guys who are better than him. So Yeah, I'm I'm not disagreeing. It'll take me to sit down and really think on that. Right. But I don't think you can win with him as your best guy. Right. I don't think he's got that same, you know, level of force that we've seen from the two MVP candidates right now in Jokic and Embiid. Yeah. I don't think that's why I said talent wise. I don't think he has the mentality to do it. But I don't think it's mentality so much as like, I think there's some people like, I think those two just have a quality about their game. And I guess we're kind of saying the same thing, but I don't think cat's a guy you can't win with. <laughs> I think you need a guy like Patrick Beverly there to bring the dog out of him. You know, yeah. I think you, you need a guy like Jared Vanderbilt who can cover up his weaknesses on the defensive end. Right. Like, just like we're seeing Aaron Gordon cover up Jokic's weaknesses. Cause Cat can do a lot of stuff on defense, but he's not going to go up and block your shot, right? He's only averaging 1.2 blocks a game, you know, which isn't a lot for a center who's ostensibly supposed to be around the rim a lot. I think this team right now, the way it's constructed is perfect for around him because he can be simultaneously a complimentary guy, but also someone, I don't know if you saw the ending of that Cleveland game, JD, someone who can take a jab step. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it. Yeah. Like that you, he's someone who can do both of those things. And I think it's good for him where he can, the space that they're in right now, where he's not the like, he's the guy, but Edwards can be the guy. Russell can be the guy. I think he's unselfish enough. Yeah. And some people can say unselfishness yeah. equals passiveness. That's a fair criticism, but JD, if my center is averaging 24 points a game on 16 shots, I'll take it. (laughs) I'll take it. That's pretty fucking good. Yeah. I I, I think it's just because everybody see the potential of how great he can be. They want more. And I think that was the problem with him and Jimmy. Jimmy knew Cat could be great. And he he was trying to push him there, but Jimmy got a mentality. Every he's not for everybody. You know, he's not for everybody. And I mean, that's just what it is. Call a spade a spade. He's not for everybody. I think Patrick Beverly originally wasn't for everybody. Patrick Beverly had to learn how to do how to be in that role, which is why it works for him and it didn't work for Jimmy. Yeah. And it's that kind of vet leadership. Cause I think Pat Bev, you know, at the end of the day is somebody you have to respect in the league. He's fought and clawed his way into being a almost 10 year veteran. <laughs> I think yeah. he actually has been in the league for more than 10 years at this point. And there's no way if you ask Patrick Beverly in 2009, you know, when he was in the draft, like, Hey, are you going to be a 10 year pro? And he probably would have said no way. And 
I think that goes to show what like respect other players have for him. And, you know, like I said, he's such a great complimentary player as well. And I think he's bringing the most out of all those guys. Cause I think they all have low key personalities in Minnesota. Although I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, JD, D'Angelo Russell has been bullying the fans <laughs> into being louder at games. He's been what? He's been like bullying their fans into being louder at games. Oh, really? Actually showing up. And I don't, I, I'm sure you notice when you're watching yeah. the games, they're, the Minnesota games are pretty loud, even like against Portland and against Minnesota, against Oklahoma City. So bullying works is the lesson of the day, folks. But <laughs> I, I, I think that's a good segue to talk about D'Angelo, <laughs> talk about D'Angelo Russell, because right now the, um, the efficiency numbers aren't great. 42% from the field, 35% from three. He's averaging seven assists a game, averaging a steal a game, 19 points. JD, I, it's weird seeing D'Angelo Russell become this wily vet, but I think that's what he is now. I think he's just the guy who's going to make all the right decisions on the basketball court. And sometimes he might take a shot you don't like, but it's never a dumb shot. Like, I feel like that's where D'Angelo Russell has grown. What other areas of growth do you think you've seen from Russell this year? Um, I think he's kind of playing a, a true point guard role. Like, and I, I love it because, you know, I, I, maybe from the time we met, I've always been high on what he can do. It was just, I always felt he needed more opportunity and to actually be in a situation where it's like, okay, all the, all the Nick Young stuff over with. Go be great. And I think now is finally that time where we could say, outside of the, the year in Brooklyn, you could say, he don't do much wrong as a player. He know he just make he he makes the right play. He um he comes up clutch. He's gonna do something in the clutch that just matters. Whether it's the right pass, the making a shot, getting a hand in there to force a turnover, or get a get a call on a rebound reverse. Like he he just does something like that. Patrick Beverly effect on, on that last one. Um, I don't know. He one of he one of the most intriguing players to me. I mean, he can have a, a quiet night and be the most important player on the floor for that team. I really, I I really like it. I mean, remember when um Minnesota? I mean. Brooklyn was playing Philly, which is happening right now, ironically. But uh, I was saying then, the key to their success was him and Karis LeVert not being able to uh, be guarded when they forced the switch. The one game they won was because those two guys bullied J.J. Redick and uh, Tobias Harris. Oh, God. I mean... D'Angelo Russell to me, yeah, like, would it be better if he wasn't taking 15.6 shots a game? Probably. But I just, I'm out there watching him. I'm not in Minnesota, obviously. But watching him, you know, do his thing on these replays of the games. And he just never, he just never makes a wrong decision. It's incredible. And even on defense, right? His defense was like one of the laughing stocks of the league. He sucked on defense. I, don't, I think this is yeah. Patrick Beverly effect too, but 
like he's kind of a floor general on that side of the basketball too. You see him in the paint calling out like, Hey, you need to step out. You're at yeah. nine seconds or, Hey, you need to switch here. Like, or there's a screen coming. Make sure, you know, you have his, uh, his awareness has, has shot up. Yeah. He's, I don't think D'Angelo Russell was ever a dumb basketball player. Right. But when you're a young player in the league and you're still figuring out you're you're still figuring your way out in the league, then you're not going to be make 100 percent high IQ decisions all the time. Right. And Absolutely. No, no player ever does that. But the the more experience you have in the league, the more you can be like, oh, I've seen that. I need to step out. I thought in the Memphis game, I went back from the Memphis game after the all star break. Him and Edwards were both playing tremendous on ball defense against Ja. Yeah, and one one of the best times we could say, um, Anthony Edwards stepped up on defense. Right, Right. and I think D'Angelo Russell had a lot to do with that because he's again the floor general out there, and I'm really I I was always high on I was really high on him coming out of Ohio State when the Lakers took him second. I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, I was mad that they got him personally. Yeah, I was just happy that someone else saw what I was seeing. But then, you know, it took me seven years to be right. So and I definitely fell off the Russell train, but I'm back on now and he's a hell of a player. And you're right. I think he could be the key to their series going forward because the clutch performances from him, that game where he had 30. Yeah, (laughs) the second half just and he was just hitting. Everything I thought, out. and I thought they was gonna lose that game. I had betted on that game. What game? What game was that? I can't remember which game that was. But there was a game where he just completely. No, that was I, the Memphis game. He just completely I, took over, and just was cash, cash on everything. Yeah, I had bet on that game, and I was so offended by his greatness. <laughs> he was just incredible, and I, I love D'Angelo Russell. I feel like we've talked a lot about Ant already, but I think to me, like. Caleb and I want to do, you know, our top 10 players under 23. He's not going to be top five because it's a really deep field, but he might be sixth. Like he is <laughs> already like his efficiency jumped a lot from last year, which he's you needed to 43% from the field, 34 and a half percent from three. Um, he's not getting to the line nearly enough for my taste, but I'm sure like he's so physical. He's going to get to the line eventually. Right. Yeah, he just might get certain calls yet. I mean, he, a lot of his problems right now are young player problems, but <laughs> he's still averaging aloud. Like, you know, there are guys, right? Like Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward averages like a quiet 17, 5 and 5, right? Yeah. And by the way, the Hornets absolutely suck without him. They, and they need him bad. We are seeing that for the second year in a row where he gets injured and their season just goes down the drain. Um, Edwards is averaging a loud 21 a game. And. JD, like for now, like I, I think if, even if he doesn't get better, he's gonna make a few All Star teams. Like I think that's the the floor for him. And if he does, like if he figures out, you know, passing, if he figures out, you know, off ball defense, because <laughs> his off ball defense is horrible. If he figures out off ball defense, JD, I think he might be like a top twenty player in the league someday. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, possibly higher than that because he has that kind of potential. I'm trying to be, you know, I I have a propensity for blowing things out of proportion, JD. So I'm trying to be better about that. So, yes, I think he does have the talent to be a top 10 guy someday. I'm trying not to say it. (laughs) No, I'll say it. I believe he does. 
I'd be trying to figure out who his game style remind me of. He don't, and the only thing is he don't have a height for me to make the Tracy McGrady comparison. But I think of Tracy McGrady a lot when I see him. He's kind of like if you gave James Harden hops. That's kind of like how, how I feel about his game. Like, maybe not like, I think he's a little smoother than Harden too. Yeah. But like, his body is just so strong, right? Because Tracy McGrady is a good, like, actual game comparison but i think just like the body style he's honestly kind of built like d wade he he, he built he's built like a football player (laughs) he was a football player and a damn good one he probably could be nfl right now if he wanted to just that's how amazing of an (laughs) you hear what he say he's the best at everything (laughs) he said he could hit a home run without even trying like he's He's incredible. He, he one of my favorite personalities in basketball. Like the NBA, oh God, they need to market him badly. And I know they don't want to market the Minnesota Timberwolves, even though the Wolves are in a big market technically. Um, they they just need to realize, hey, Anthony Edwards is the future of our league. And the sooner they realize that, the better. Um, any other Wolves thoughts? We talked about Vanderbilt. Um, any other Wolves thoughts that you have before we move on? Uh, no, not 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 really. No, I do want to shout out uh, Jaden McDaniels real quick. He had a pretty rough start to this. I know you was gonna say something about him. I just knew it. <laughs> I have a type, and that's six nine wings who can defend at the rim. <laughs> I don't know what it is. That's why you love Bam. It's why I love Robert Covington. And- yeah. I seen him get a block the other night and thought I was like, if AB seen this, he'll be so proud. I probably would be. Um, I also want to shout out Malik Beasley, sudden sniper. Um, oh, 11 threes last night. On 17 shots. On 17 threes. That's pretty impressive. 37% from three. He's already made the most threes in a season. He broke Kevin Love's record. I don't remember what year it was. But Kevin Love had the record for most threes in a season. Now it's now it's Malik Beasley. And hey, you know, if he just wants to be like a three, like a legit three and D player, he has the talent for it. And I think it'll be intriguing. He had a great year last year. And obviously, you know, the suspension and everything kind of threw that off. But I want to see Beasley. He's been really good this year. So if that's everything for the Minnesota Timberwolves, let's go ahead and move on to the New York Knicks. They are 28 and 38, good for 12th in the Eastern Conference. Um, <laughs> it's funny because we're actually coming in on the, the Knicks' best stretch of the season. Last Friday, they lost to the Suns 115 to 114. They beat the Clippers 116 to 93 this Sunday. I was they surprised. Beat, they beat the Kings 131 to 115 on Monday and then Wednesday night they beat the Dallas Mavericks 107 to 77 the probably the most improbable 30 point victory <laughs> of the season um they are having a very good week JD and I are going to take we're going to take a shovel and bury the Knicks because they're an embarrassment to the league and yeah they're winning a lot of games right now they suck to watch JD just what are your general thoughts about the Knicks Trash. <laughs> Absolute it's, trash. Yes, they are not good. And Julius Randle has been getting me slaughtered by my brother every day for saying he was a good player last season. Like, 
Like he's been so bad. Last season means nothing. And, and it, I'm like, bro, he was actually good last year. And it's like, yeah, what have you done for me lately when it comes to him? Because he's been bad this year. Like, he finally looking good. I think he just scored his best stretch of 25 in a row. I'm like, bro, this was this was you nightly last season. What happened? He had 44 against Sacramento earlier this week, I want to say. Something crazy like that. Um, I'm going to pull up the game log real quick, see how many he had. And listen, if people up, like if other players were having their season, his season, it'd be a career year for them, right? Like 20 points a game, 10 rebounds, five assists. The problem is that when you're as good as he was last year, sorry, I was off. It was 46 points against Sacramento. The problem is when you're as good as he was last year and he was worthy of making the all NBA team last year. I don't think either of us dispute that. Um, when you go back, so 45% from the field, 41% from three last year, 42% from the field this year, 31% from three last year, and he's still bombing them, right? That's the problem. He's taking way too many fucking threes. He shoots too many. And last year, he he shot a lot of mid-ranges, and that's what worked. Yeah, and he's not shooting as many this year. He's not getting it all the way to the rim. And teams are just like saying, hey, we're just going to throw our small forward on you, right? And we're just going to let him guard you. And then we'll, you know, have our center. We'll put our center at the rim. It's what the Hawks did. And that's why the Hawks shut him down. And not every team has a guy as big and strong as DeAndre Hunter. But damn, man, (laughs) the Knicks are a joke. Um, I have put in the outline, is this the most depressing team ever? And I'm sure it's not. But damn, for a 28 and 38 team, this just feels like one of the worst teams to watch play basketball in the league. Like, I don't want, like watching them at all. They're, Me either. Um, I trashed the Celtics, and then as soon as I trashed them, they went on this massive run. I have a feeling the same's not going to happen with the Knicks. Um, they just suck. And yeah, like they have really good players, right? Like I think... Well, Fournier has been a disaster for them. <laughs> Alex Fournier Gordon, only show up versus Boston. That's that's true. I think if Fournier Fournier needs to be like the fifth option on a team somewhere, right? He needs to be doing what Otto Porter did this year, but he didn't do that. He got the bag. Good for him, but he sucked. Um, like Alec Burks has been fine. Um, they haven't been playing their rookies. He's too totally consistent too. <laughs> Quickly hasn't been as good without D Rose there. Um, D Rose hasn't played quickly need time. Like he don't get enough clock quickly, but he gets the most out of their whole young guy roster though. And that to me, I don't know, like he's fine, but he's sh- like, he shoots way too much. And like Obi Toppin doesn't play. Obi Toppin plays 15 minutes a game. Manuel quickly plays 22. Then he's a switch. But that, the problem is JD, one of my, I think my favorite player, one of my five favorite players growing up, because I have a lot of from a lot of favorite players from that 2010 Bulls team. Taj Gibson is somehow still logging 18 minutes a game at age 36. I love yeah. Taj. Taj shouldn't be out there playing that much. He shouldn't, and I, you know how I feel about Taj. I don't think he should be getting that much time either. Like, 
You have trade them so- and let them go be somewhere good for a ten minute stretch at the at the best. Like if he was on Miami and he played ten minutes, you would be like, "That's perfect for Taj." But he's on the Knicks. And he played that many minutes, and it's like, what the hell, y'all draft top and four? And this remind me of last season, well, two seasons ago, when they uh, when they paid Taj, Bobby Portis, and Marcus Morris while still having Julius Randle. I said, bro, what the hell are they doing? That oh my god, I totally forgot when they just when their half their roster was power forwards. God. <laughs> Oh man. And then yeah, like <laughs> it just is weird. Mitchell Robinson just feels worse this year. I don't know. Yeah, why. my dad trashes him every day. <laughs> he's like he's fine, right? He's averaging 1.6 blocks a game. Last year he was averaging like 2.5. A lot of it is the injury. <laughs> But he has played 60 games this year, J.D. Like, if you're out there, I got to judge you for how you've been playing. Yeah, know? but he, he's not going to be as good as last year because of that injury. That's fair. I, I give him that. That's fair. The whole Kemba thing. That's ooh. weird. Ooh, 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 ooh. Like, I don't think Kemba has it anymore. <laughs> he might be the worst star to ever go home. Yeah. I mean, he's not gonna play the rest of this year and he doesn't deserve to play the rest of this year and it's just been a disaster on that front and you know the we talked about reddish earlier that hasn't really given them any dividends i i think jd tell me if you think i'm wrong here i think there's right now i think the front office wants to play the young guys right i think the front office wants them to play robinson a lot i think they want them to play quickly top in um, Quentin Grimes, Miles McBride. I think they want them to play all those young guys, right? I think Tibbs is like, oh, hey, there's Alec Burks. There's Evan Fournier. Those guys have been around forever. I want to play them. I want to play Taj, right? I think that – tell me, do you think I'm wrong there? Oh, we know Tibbs don't like playing young guys. I mean, that, that was always the thing. We know he don't. Which – That's not a secret. I don't know why – like, you can't have a young team and expect for them to play when Tibbs is the coach, unfortunately. But, I mean, we all know that. I don't I don't see why a team looking to rebuild with sign Tibbs. And I love Tibbs, but I just think that's stupid to do. Okay, so here's a question for you. In your mind, would they have been better off not being the four seed last year and just letting RJ have the ball in his hands all like full time, letting him see what he can do, letting them play the young guys? You think they would have been better off than gunning for the four seed and having having to pay Julius Randle 120 million over the next four years? <laughs> I mean, after seeing this season, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I said this during our season previews. I'm like, they're going to be the same, but the rest of the East got so much better around them that they're going to fall in the standings. And I didn't see this coming. All right. I didn't see them being behind the wizards. Yeah. I thought they'd be like seven, eight seats. 
I thought I thought they were going to be at worst the 10th seed. Right now, they're two games behind the Wizards. They're three and a half games behind the Hawks. <laughs> and the the Hornets and the Hawks are both the same amount like ahead of the Knicks in the standings. Um there's no way they jump any of those teams in my opinion. Like yeah, they're on a little bit of a hot streak right now. They're going to lose in their next game. They suck. <laughs> and I don't I don't man, that's one team I'm I bet against regardless. <laughs> Their next two games, this losing streak is about to be snapped. They're playing the Grizzlies on Friday. <laughs> they're going to get smoked. But that, and, it was fun while it lasted, right? And then they're going to play the Nets on Sunday, and they're going to get smoked. Where at? Home or away? I mean, it's at Brooklyn, but it'll still be, in essence, a Knicks home game. No, I, was, I was just trying to see what kind of fandom – to prepare for, and I really hope it's full of Knicks fans, just so uh, I can hear them get booed. But there'll be so many Nets fans. They literally said that the last game, it was full of Nets fans. Oh, man. I just, uh, that's going to be brutal for the Knicks, and they're going to end up in where they were before Tibbs, which is not good enough to get a top overall pick and not bad enough or not good enough to make the playoffs, not bad enough to get a top overall pick. JD, like here's here's my question. I put this in the outline. If you're like another team, would you even consider trading for Julius Randle right now? I've been thinking about that, and it's really hard to say, like, what team is, like, forget, forget, if the the situation, but what team would need a guy like Julius Ranch Julius Randle? And and I really don't know. It's so hard to think like who what team needs a guy like that. What can he really come in and just be for you? And I, I haven't found an answer yet. And from the moment I seen that that question, it was like yeah, I don't I don't know if what what team what what is this like if we think of the ideal situation for Julius Randle, he's already in it. Yeah, I mean just getting to take the ball up the court all the time, you know, driving with impunity. I you and I both agree, I think, on this. The ball should have been in Julie or in RJ Barrett's hands a long time ago, right? Yeah. And JD, his last 27 games for RJ since New Year's Eve. Okay. He's averaging 24 points a game. He's <laughs> been 40, killing. On 43% from the field, 37% from three, 70% from the free throw line. He is not a good foul shooter, but that's whatever. Um and Ju- I think RJ has like passing vision, right? We don't. We can't see that. You know, when when he played point guard a little last year, he he looked good. But we like we wouldn't know that because the ball's in Julius's hands all the time. That's my problem with the Knicks is that they have the ball in the wrong guy's hands. And listen, if I'm a team and I'm trying to like, let's say I have Donovan Mitchell, right? And I'm just like I'm the Jazz. I'm like, okay, well this clearly isn't working. 
you know, like, I don't think this would happen, but let's just say that this thought entered the Jazz's mind for some reason. I'd just be like, I'd call up the Knicks and be like, hey, you know, we're, we know you're not giving RJ the ball a whole lot. You want to, you want Donovan Mitchell for him? Right. I'd be trying to trick the Knicks into trading down and tri- into trading RJ Barrett because I think a team, a smarter team, could turn him into like a 26 point a game scorer. He's not that far off right Go now. Go to the Spurs. I mean, the Spurs, the, Spurs. Would, the Spurs would be great for him, honestly. But I think you'd probably have to give up DeJounte for that. And I don't think you want to do that. So, yeah, I'm not. Sorry. Don't need him that bit. <laughs> I, but, like, I think you agree with me there, JD. Like, Either the Knicks need to give him the ball more or they just need to let him be on his own team. Yeah. He it's the Knicks, man. I just can't you can't expect them to do anything with comp that that's smart. It's like, all right, let let's see how they screw this up. The Fournier signing unmitigated disaster, right? Just straight up an absolute disaster. So I'm gonna pull up the stats. Only time it only time it pay off is if he's going against Boston. And it's like, bro, you y'all don't play Boston 82 games of the season. The problem with that contract is is you're paying him to be like a top starter, right? He's not a top starter. He's at best your fifth starter, right? If Evan Fournier took the Malik Monk contract, that would have been so much smarter for him. He probably would have gotten the same contract next offseason because he would have looked really good next to LeBron. Obviously, you take... Yeah, he would have. <laughs> you would take $94 million any chance you get, Evan. I can't say I blame you there. But 14 points a game on 39% from three. I'm sorry. That's just not good enough. And he does nothing else on a basketball court. There's nothing else. Evan Fournier provides you besides spot up shooting at this point. Like, yeah, that's, that's the only reason he's on the floor. Whatever, like, you know, shot creation he provides. It's non-existent. Like, and they let go Reggie Bullock for him. Yeah, I, exactly. I would have rather paid Reggie Bullock thirty million than having forty eight ninety four. That would have been so much smarter. But no, nope. to do to literally come in and do the same thing, literally. And Reggie Bullock can actually play defense. Yeah. God. Oh, JD. Um, I I don't. I put this on the rundown. Is Tibbs going to be gone after this year? Absolutely. We know the answer to that question. He's gone. There's no way. I love, I love Tibbs, though. Shout out to Tibbs. But sorry. I, I love him, you. too, but he's – I love him, too, but, J.D., like, I, his time is gone. You know, like Stan Van Gundy, we saw last year. His time is done. You know, just – I think there's a point these coaches need to realize, okay, my style is outdated. Right. Oh, I'm so glad you said it. Can I shit on somebody real fast? <laughs> Go ahead. Doc Rivers, your time is done. Your time is done, Doc. Your time is done. I was talking to somebody. They put him as one of the top uh, coaches in the league. I said, bro, how? And they say, you just mad because of the Clippers meltdown. No. That's just one of the meltdowns. Answer this. Why wasn't Tyrese Massey playing alongside Ben Simmons last season? Good question. Answer this. If he... Tyrese Massey said, Doc told him all last season, be prepared, your time coming. Why didn't you give him a shot last season then? Fair question. Now, this is another one. 
Can anybody tell me why if you know Ben Simmons is not shooting the ball, why have why not play offense for defense? Why not play offense for defense? You know, I go back and watch that 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 series just to see is it all on Ben? Cause you know how I feel about Ben Simmons. And you know, I I was probably one of the most vocal to talk about how bad he was and how much of a diva he is. But let's be honest. Philly could have still won if they had a better coach. JD, they're hiring Mike D'Antoni next year. I hope you know. <laughs> Bro, I, 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 I've been kind of thinking that, and that's when the entire NBA situation fails. Maybe, but Amari Stoudemire was really, uh, and they're completely different players. They play, they play the seven-second offense. That's not, that's not for him. Well, I, I mean, and to be fair, is, he, he's too dominant. I want him to dominate. I want, I want him to bruise the other centers. I think Mike is a smart enough offensive coach where we'll see him adapt his style. But who can really say? You know, um, we, I, we should move on to the Grizzlies, JD. Yes, please do. They currently have the second best record in the NBA at 45 and 22. Um, a little bit of a shaky week for them. Last Thursday, yeah. they lost Hurt to the my Celtics. Feelings. <laughs> well, I mean, last Monday, um, he took it to JD's favorite team in the Spurs. What second beat, second favorite? Second favorite, but you know, listen, but, they're both they're both your favorites in the eyes of the Lord. But let's say this. Let's say this. <laughs> He scored his career had two games in a row on the Bulls and Spurs, and yeah. that's and that's what hurt. I said, ah, you just couldn't give us a break. You couldn't give me a break, could you? No, he he hates you, JD. But he hate me. I love him. February twenty eighth, they beat the Spurs one eighteen one hundred five. Lost the Celtics um, last Thursday one twenty to one hundred seven. Absolutely beat the shit out of the Magic, one twenty four to ninety six. Loss of the Rockets, who I just shit on earlier for beating the Lakers, but um, two good wins in a row for the Rockets, and then they beat the Pelicans, one thirty two to one eleven. Um, I mean, there's no other guy. Everyone's talking about him right now, John Morant. I mean, <laughs> JD, just go ahead, say what you guys say about Ja. I love him. I told you, was it two years ago that he was my second favorite point guard to watch? I don't remember if it was two years ago, but I certainly remember you saying that. And, I mean, he's been that and more, man. Like, come on. Like, Ja is freaking. What do you want? What do you want to see? And Ja provides. That's how great he is. I love watching John. Like, man, this dude, man, I've been, I've been arguing with people maybe the last four or five months because they, we was arguing about his game style. I'm like, I can't compare his game style to many people. But if you tell me mentality, mentality, 
with a little bit of the game style, I give you AI and Derrick Rose. And people told me I was a fool for saying that. But literally, I've been seeing ESPN saying it. And I'm like, but I was the fool. But I'm going to be honest. I was town giant college when he was, when he was at uh, Murray State and the uh, tournament rolled around. Remember, I said, man, even if they don't go far, I just want to see him hoop. And I, oh man, I could go all day about y'all. Like, remember when I was the one saying, if they give uh, rookie of the year to Zion Williamson, I never watched the NBA again because of how great y'all was. And now it's like everything, I, 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 I just knew, I knew he was going to be a star. I just didn't know he was going to come into it this fast. Like, and it's his competitiveness that I, I've always talked about the competitor I love that he was. I, I remember um, two seasons ago when um, they went against Houston. And he made a three on uh, James Harden and said, you got to guard me too. I say, y'all talking to Harden like that? It's a game. Because, you know, I always loved the fact him, Dylan, the, the identity him and Dylan Brooks had created over there. Because you knew they would they, they ready to get to it. It's, they ready for war. But the fact that he came in looking for that. He came in wanting to carry matchups every night. This is the guy I want to be in the field with. I know he going to do all he can to, to not only ensure that we win, but if we lose, it's not going to be because he didn't put his heart out there. And those the type of guys that you just got to love, not only love playing with, but competing against. Like, as, as much as they hate Patrick Beverly, the top dogs love compete versus Patrick Beverly. They just hate how he is, unless you're Russell Westbrook. But that's because they both play so hard. Then, like, oh, man. Talk about, even still, he's still just my second favorite point guard to watch. I'm not, I can't put him over Kyrie. Because Kyrie... I love I love Kyrie's skill level, but Josh coming, man. It like when what what do you want? He's must see TV. It's must see TV. So you were bringing up like the fir- like moments you recognized him. I remember from one of his. I think it was his first week in the NBA. They played the Nets, right? And this was you know the block. It was the block, and it was that um, the layup. It, no, it was when he set up Ja or Jay Crowder. Oh, the three. Oh, yeah. And I, I went back while you were talking, and I looked it up because you were talking about stuff that you know you like loved about Ja, right? And there's there's a lot to love about him. This is three years ago, right? And it's such Rookie, a beautiful, yeah. It's such a beautiful play because he drives and, you know, like you think, oh, it's Ja. He's going to drive straight in. He's going to go for the two. No, he kind of misleads them and sets up a beautiful Jake Crowder three. And 
and and Crowder's sweet spot as if he knew he was already yes. going to be there. Yeah, like a perfect shovel pass right into the shooting pocket, right? And that's a really hard pass to make while you're moving at 100 miles an hour. And John made it in his first week in the NBA with perfect precision. And that's when I knew he was going to be special, right? I was on the jaw train right there. This was October 27th, 2019. <laughs> okay, just for reference. <laughs> And he's been nothing short of incredible the entire time he's been in the league. Absolutely. Last year, you know, wasn't the best from him. He kind of stagnated a little bit. But this year, if you said you saw this coming from Ja this year, you're lying. Right. Exactly. That's (laughs) why I just said I didn't see it. Like not this fast. Not this fast. Because just an incredible skill set, right? You brought up the like Derrick Rose, Allen Iverson. I think of those guys in terms of like what his body, that's correct. But in terms of IQ, I think it's Derrick Rose's athleticism mixed with Chris Paul's mind. And I mm. think that's a scary combination. And Chris Paul's probably putting it on a little too thick, right? But he's such a good passer and he's so smart. The IQ is so high that if he's, if you gave Chris Paul Jaws athleticism, he's probably a top 20 player of all time. <laughs> and there's some things Ja needs to work on, right? Yeah, absolutely. He settles for way too many floaters. He could stand to use like a through the legs, you know, stop and pop jumper, right? Something like that, like from 16 feet. He doesn't yeah, a more lion mid range. Yeah, so just something, right? I think that might unlock his game a little more. But holy shit, you can't stop him from getting to the rim, <laughs> right? Yaka Pertle tried. And Yaka Pertle's one of the best rim protectors in basketball. And he ended that man, right? And it's not even that. The the end of the quarter, that second, the, the second quarter uh, shot he made, absolutely ridiculous. That's one of the craziest shots you'll ever see. And one of the craziest passes. And... I was surprised Jaws only averaging seven assists a game, but that team moves the ball. And we'll talk more about them. Steven Adams, yeah. and you, them, they move the ball a lot. But here's they my do. thing. Here's my thing with Ja. You know, it's just you guard him in a drop coverage. <laughs> he's gonna get around the drop somehow. Like that's what he's Pertle again. Escape artist. Pertle is one of the best defensive centers in the league. I would say he he made Pertle look like mincemeat. <laughs> you know, Pirtle just looked like absolute garbage out there. Same. The only thing that's guarded him well was the Celtics. And the Celtics have legitimate length at every position, right? The only other team like that is Phoenix. And I think that Phoenix's defenders probably aren't as good as the Celtics defenders. I just don't, right? Like the Celtics have been defending like <laughs> the, the Tim Duncan Spurs since the new year. And I don't think anyone else is that good, but they like the Suns have a lot of athletes that could try to throw a job. I don't think it'll matter. The I'm trying to think no other team in the West really has a lot of athletes to throw at jaw. I think the Mavericks might have a few a healthy Clippers, healthy Clippers, but that's, that's not the same kind of athlete. They're not as like quick on their feet as the Celtics are, in my opinion. Like, no, nah, because the Clippers got too many vets. The the Celtics are a young defensive grinding team. Like with Rob Williams, with you know, with Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, those guys are all like twenty five and younger. So that's the difference for me. 
And I don't, I don't think the clip actually, if the Clippers won the play in, they'd be playing the Grizzlies right now, which is absolutely insane that the Grizzlies went from the play in to playing the team that's going to win the play in. Who's to say they hold it too? But man, <laughs> Ja just like JD, I'll just go ahead and ask this now. Are there eight players in the league better than John Morant right now? I know it's such a crazy thing to say, but when you think about it, the how good he's been this year, I don't think there are eight guys better than John Morant right now. You can you can argue that it's not. You can argue that it's not. I mean, hell, if we just go based off uh, MVPs right now, um, you got Embiid, Jokic, uh, Giannis, of course. All right, I I put it. See, because we got to throw Brian Katie. But then this is my question. Would you take Devin Booker over Ja? No. I wouldn't hesitate. No, I'm taking Ja every time. (laughs) Yeah, and see, a lot of people will argue, you know, because they got the best record and Chris Paul was out and Book was doing. And and I, I, I honestly take Ja every time. But some people will argue book is bet I, I take Ja every time. Not a thought to it. I take Ja every time. But I was yeah, just I, 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 I was just curious to where your man was at on it. But I'm I'm in the same place. I think you can argue right now. No, it's not. I, I take mean, I take Ja pretty much every time. I'm going to pull up my list because I have my list. Um, I know right now I'm including Kawhi. Right now I have John Nines. And it's Luka. Oh, see, I, I wasn't I putting with the injuries. I wasn't, like, if it was just this year, no, Kawhi's not in there. But just overall, um, I still have Kawhi in my top five. And, but, like, J.D., I think Jaws had the best guard season in the NBA. And I think we were saying it was Steph, but it has to be Ja. Like we were talking about Steph earlier. I mean, Jaws definitely getting less defensive attention than Steph. But I think right now, in terms of guards, if I was like, if I was going to do a guard MVP, right? Because I think the MVP, the top three in MVP are either Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, whatever order, right? I think. Jaws the guard MVP right now. I don't really think it's close. I think he's been that good. They have a better record than the Warriors. Yeah. And they are and Ja to me is impacting the game in more ways than Steph is, <laughs> which is a statement I did not think I'd be saying before this season. Yeah, I'm with you there. <laughs> and I mean Dame kind of Dame's been hurt all year, so jury's out on him. Trey Trey's incredible, but he's just not on the same level, you know, like as Ja at yeah. this point. As cra- and Trey made the fucking conference finals last year. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to even think about that many players 
to that you put in front of him. And at the guard position, I think you can say he he has took the number two spot overall, um, maybe for points point guards. But I mean, hell, right now he he is the he is playing like the best point guard. It's just wild because who could have saw this coming? You know, like not right now. Nobody, nobody right not now. Not this year. Not this year. So okay. So here's my list in front of John Morant. So at eight, I have Luka Doncic, right? And this is in my final list. I'll reconfigure it later. Um, seven, Joel Embiid. Six, LeBron James. Five, Kawhi Leonard. Four, Nicole Jokic. Three, Steph Curry. Two, Giannis. One, Katie. And if Kawhi's not on the list, he's if Kawhi doesn't play this year, he's not going to be on the list. So <laughs> it's just crazy the the category that Jaws catapulted himself into. Really, this is kind of like D Rose's MVP year to bring the conversation yeah. back there. Like if you think about it, right? Like the 2009-10 Bulls, they were the eighth seed. They were okay. You know, they got their asses kicked <laughs> by the Cavs in the first round. You know, kind of like the Bulls. Kind of like the Grizzlies did last year by the Jazz. They took a game from the Jazz, but yeah, they stole that game when Donovan Mitchell ain't play. Right, which and, they should have. And the Jazz, but the Jazz took care of business for the most part, right? And then you know you get subtle improvements, right? You get subtle improvements from a guy like Desmond Bain slash Lou Aldang. You get. I, I love Bain. I love uh-huh. Desmond Bain. You get, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. slash Joakim Noah becoming Defensive Player of the Year candidates, and obviously. Joe missed a lot of time in 2011, but that was when he became, you know, that guy. You get an important acquisition in the offseason in, you know, Carlos Boozer slash Steven Adams, right? Yeah, I couldn't believe they made that trade because Valanchunas was great for them. Valanchunas was great for them. But, He's been pretty good for New Orleans this year, but Steven Very Adams, good. Steven Adams unlocks so much. Like, that. the way that man sets screens. <laughs> yeah, it allows Ja to be... A freaking menace, even you. He just becomes that much better at what he already great at, and he's so much better on defense than JV is. So much better. And oh yeah, oh yeah. That's kind of where the comparison falls apart a little bit because <laughs> um, Stephen Adams is a lot better than Joe on defense. But hell, you have it. Your shooter off the bench, you know, DeAnthony Melton slash Kyle Korver. Be- better than Joe who? Oh. Okay. No, I meant better than Boozer. Sorry. Oh, okay. I, I, I was about to say. No, but Jaron Jack, like, we're, we're going to talk about him in a sec. But Jaron Jackson Jr., um, he's turned into Kembe Matumbo back there. I don't know what that Finally. Like, he is just an amazing defensive player, but we'll talk about him in a sec. But, yeah, I don't think this team's going to win the championship this year, J.D., like, we'll yeah. talk more about their other players in a sec. I think they, like, do you agree with me, JD? Conference finals are bust. Is that fair expectations for this Grizzly team? Or is am I placing the expectations too high? I say too high because we didn't even have them being in the in the conversation. I, the way I see it, I, my expectations go from where I've seen it from the beginning of the season. I'm not I, I don't I don't like changing in the middle of the season because it takes away from what they did accomplish. So I, I say I say no. We the fact if they make second round, 
that's better than last season. So I'm fine with that with this young core. So anything beyond that is a plus. I had their best case scenario as the sixth seed this year. <laughs> In the preview pot I did with Dylan. Yeah, like nobody expected for them to be this good. But them. And I mean that's the grid and grind way though, right? <laughs> it is. I mean they they're such a deep team. Like Brandon Clark was out of the rotation last year. This year, he's playing legit minutes for them, right? Last year, Xavier Tillman was in the rotation. Now he's out of it. Um, Jarrett Culver was looked pretty good from what I saw, but he's just barely played. They're like they're getting real contributions from John Conchar. <laughs> yeah, John Conchar had a 17 rebound game this year. <laughs> they just they have Tyus Jones. Is an incredible backup point guard. Oh man, I've been looking at Tyus Jones. He was, and he was great when Ja was out earlier this year. Um, yeah, like the jump Bain has made. Zaire Williams has been a steal. Like he hasn't been like super great, but you could see the potential there. And these minutes are going to be huge for him going forward. You know, like Killian Tilly. <laughs> he barely plays, but it seems like every guy they draft can play. Yeah, it doesn't happen a whole lot. Like if it just Knicks, be opportunities presenting itself. If the Knicks had half the Grizzlies Grizzlies drafting skill, they'd be the top seed in the East right now. <laughs> like it's just crazy how good the Grizzlies are at drafting. They really haven't missed at all since Jaron Jackson Jr. was in this new regime. That was the last draft pick of the old regime, but like Desmond Bain. Amazing pick at the 30th pick. Um, Tillman, Brandon Clark, all those guys, just so many hits, so many singles. And I suppose now is a good a time as any to talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> it's averaging 2.2 blocks a game, which seems low. Averaging a steal a game as well. That's pretty good to be averaging two blocks and a steal a game. It's three basically turnovers you're creating by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you liked from Jaron Jackson on the defensive end? Um, placement. He just found himself in the right, right place all the time. And knowing that Steven Adams isn't, Steven Adams is a positional defender. Like he's not going to lock you down because, uh, you he's going to block every shot. He's just a strong defender. But if you're able to get the shot up over him, Jaron Jackson is right there to put it back in your face. Uh, and he's been moving his feet a lot better this year. We knew he could move, but I think I think he was too reliant. Like, he was thinking too much. I think now he's relying more on just the feel of the game, on his instincts of the game. And that comes with time. You know, that's just you become a better player when the game slows down to you. And nothing is just it's it's not all fast and brand new. Yeah. And so I, I checked cleaning the glass and I think this point will back up what you're saying. Um, right now, <laughs> teams are shooting against the Grizzlies a combined 53 percent from the rim to 14 feet. 
So basically the whole paint is shut down. Yeah. Like the whole paint. And that starts with Jaron Jackson. He unlocks so many things they can do on both sides, really. Like the jumper hasn't fallen for him this year, but he's made clutch ones. Yeah, it's the fact that he's a threat. Uh-huh. Like we were talking about with the Wolves. He's made clutch ones for them. Um and he just shuts down. <laughs> he takes the entire paint and takes it away, which is incredible for a big man to have. Like, and we kind of knew this potential was there with Jaron. But like you said, mm-hmm. he just had to figure it out. And he's he's one of the youngest players in the league still. He's younger than Ja, <laughs> which is one of the craziest things. And so let's see, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s birthday. He's turning 23 in September. I believe he's ja, still a baby. I believe Ja <laughs> is going to be turning 23 soon. <laughs> If he if his shot ever starts falling at like a consistent, I don't think it'll ever be where it was his first two years. His first two years, he was just a flamethrower. I think his body's changed too much. I think his roles changed too much on the other end. You know, tired legs, all that stuff. Right? Yeah, and he got stronger. Do you remember what happened though? Like with Miles here, where his shooting percentage from three, like sucked for a while. But we we all knew he could shoot it, but he just wasn't making them. Miles, Miles, who? Miles Turner. Okay. But now this year he's finally he was finally making them before he got hurt. Yeah. I think that could happen with Jaron, where it's like everyone knows he can shoot. They guard him like he can shoot, but he just isn't making his shots. But everyone knows he's a threat. I think that's probably what's going to be what happens. With, am I off base there? Or do you think that could happen with Jaron? Uh, no, I, I see where you're going. I agree. Yeah, I think he'll eventually be. He'll eventually be that guy where you can't leave him open. And here's the thing, JD, he's shown enough ball skills for me <laughs> where if he can make threes, I could see him averaging like 23 points a game. And I think that was always the appeal of Jaron Jackson, along with the defense was like, he has ball skills. Yeah. He, he can create off the dribble. We've seen him do it before. He had like a 43 point game against Milwaukee in his sophomore year. Uh huh. And he had like seven threes, but 43 points. You do the math. That's still 22 other points. He scored some other way. So he's capable of amazing things. And I want to see my, how he, my, my biggest thing with him. And this is what I, I want him to do more. I just want him to become a better rebounder. Like they a great team rebounding team. Because, what, they got four players averaging about four or five a game. Um, But with him, the thing is, we know Steven Adams can be one of the best rebounders in the league. But Steven Adams is a box-out rebounder. He's not going up there taking it off the glass. He He's a box-out rebounder, which allows – and because he bosses out so great – that's what allows everybody else to get the rebounds. That's why Russell Westbrook loves Steven Adams as, as a teammate. He was able to just fly in and get the rebounds. When you look at um, even with Memphis right now, he Steven Adams only averaging nine rebounds. He's only averaging nine rebounds. We know he could average more than that. But the thing is, because he's not the guy next to him or somebody in that starting lineup needs to be in double digits. They like when when the game on the line, who who can we trust to go get that rebound 
outside of Steven Adams. And I believe Jared Jackson Jr. should be that guy. I mean, if his biggest flaw is rebounding, you can always find, like, there's a million Jared Vanderbilts out there, you know? <laughs> like, and I think that's, you know, Cat, like, to bring it back to the Timberwolves real quick. He should be averaging double-digit rebounds. But the reason Cat's not averaging double-digit rebounds, though, and he is at, like, 9.5, so he's pretty close. The reason Cat's not averaging double-digit yeah, rebounds. Yeah, he was. It's because he's, you know, when they're doing the pick and roll, Cat's guarding like at the level, right? So he's not going to be in the paint, which is why a guy like Vanderbilt's so necessary for the Wolves. One of the reasons why Vanderbilt's so necessary for them. But to bring it back to the Grizzlies, I think Jaron Jackson, I think he and Brooke Lopez kind of are similar in that way, right? Brooke Lopez, undeniably great defensive center, right? Undeniable. But he just didn't grab rebounds. But the team always rebounded when he was better when he was on the floor. Why is that? Because Brooke Lopez boxed out and let the other guys grab rebounds. And yeah. now, like you were saying, <laughs> the Grizzlies have two of those guys, which is why Steven Adams is grabbing probably his most rebounds since KD was on the team. I'm going to check that real quick. But yeah, that's actually right. Um, <laughs> well, it's actually his career high in rebounds per game, believe it or not. This yeah, game. I believe it because he just he's so great at boxing out. He allows everybody else to go get the board. But I think Jaron's really good at boxing out, too. He's just and Jaron's a really good offensive rebounder, right? Yeah, One they're a great offensive rebounding team. They they really are. And a lot of that does start with Adams. Adams is averaging almost five offensive rebounds a game. Jesus Christ. Um, Yeah. And I think the whole team crashes the glass really hard. Brandon Clark's averaging two offensive rebounds a game. Um, Jaron's at 1.6. Jaws averaging offensive rebound a game. So it just goes to show like how hard the team hits the glass. But yeah, like I, I don't think the rebounding for me is as much of an issue for Jaron just because he does so much other stuff well. Right. No, I, I'm just saying that's the one. If it's one place I had to pick it, I just want him to establish that dominance um, right. down there because if he was, let's be honest, if he was averaging double digit rebounds, he would have been an all star. Yeah. I mean, probably, like, I think he probably should have been an all star, not maybe not all star. He should have been one of the first all star replacements. I think. Right now, just based on how weird it's been this year with Bam missing all that time, with Draymond missing all that time, I think he's my defensive player of the year. I really do. And I think if Draymond hadn't missed so much time, he would have been defensive player of the year. I agree with that. It's it's hard for me this year, to be honest, with defensive player of the year. Yeah, because Bam and Draymond have been by far the best, too. But they both missed, like, half the season. And Jimmy. I mean... He Jimmy been one of the best defenders in the league this year. And you're like, well, you give it to a Celtic. Well, the Celtics have like five guys, and I think that takes them. And they just started being that great defensively. Yeah, like I'm not going to give it to Robert Williams. I'm not going to give it to Tatum. I just know it better not be Gobert. I would give it to Joel Embiid before Gobert. <laughs> Joel Embiid does not deserve defensive player of the year this year. I'll tell you that. Like, he's been great on offense. It's been like a C on defense, which nah. is huge. like he's not like it's like saying, OK, would you rather give the defensive player of the year to Jokic or Gobert? <laughs> nah, hell nah. 
Damian Lillard or, Go- or Gobert. <laughs> Man, hey, I'm just tired of them just throwing it to Gobert. He didn't deserve it last year at all. Anthony Simons or Gobert? <laughs> uh, Simons. I'm naming progressively worse defensive players. Um, Tyrese Halliburton or <laughs> Gobert? Jesus Christ. All right, you're never going with Gobert. Um, I know you like Desmond Bain, so I, I really oh, yeah. like him too. I want to give you a little bit to talk about him real quick before we – I think we're about done here. But the growth he's had from year one to year two, I mean, he's been – after Mello and Edwards – love Mello and Edwards, sorry. I know it's a habit to call him Mello, but I know Carmelo's still Mello. <laughs> but yeah, after LaMelo and Edwards – Bain's been the third best player from his draft class. It hasn't really like Halliburton's really good, but just in terms of like on court impact this year, Bain is killing it right now. What have you liked from Desmond Bain this year? He's everything to that culture for one. Everything that they embody, he 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 comes in and gives. And I think putting somebody with his shooting ability next to Ja. Turns them into a much deeper team, and and the fact that Dylan Brooks been out and Bain been able to step in and do what he's been doing, because we thought that that would be uh Ja. We know every other season has been Dylan Brooks as Ja running mate and carrying that mentality. This season has been Desmond Bain in a similar fashion of. Dylan Brooks, he gritty. He he's getting under your skin. The only difference, Dylan Brooks talk more trash. He talk, he talks way more trash. But uh, Desmond Bain, the type, he's smiling in your face. He getting under your skin because he's being the nice guy while being the bad guy. You know, or sorry, Dylan Brooks also led the league in personal fouls committed last year. (laughs) So there's there's another difference. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I personally, I think when Dylan Brooks get back, it's going to be even better for Bang. Because the games, the, the games that he Brooks played this year, he played very good. Their defense is top of the line, but that's something like that's something I want to see is how they reintegrate him. Apparently, he's really close to coming back, and I love it. So I, I was looking it up while you were talking. Brooks is really close to coming back, so I want to see what they do with him. Um, JD, I, I might like, be one of the few people to like Dylan Brooks better. Oh, I, I love Dylan Brooks, but I think there's uh, like obvious flaws there. That's my, that's just my problem with Dylan Brooks is like, he's really good, but he's one of those guys where the flaws are so loud, but the strengths are equally as loud. So it's like, on the one hand, you know, do I like the fact that he's a streaky shooter, but I love like, and do I hate the fact that he's probably the best perimeter defender in the league? No, (laughs) I I just think there's a lot of aspects to his game. I I wish he was like 10% better. But still, Dylan Brooks, to me, is a typical Memphis player. There's a reason why the fans love him there. And everyone Absolutely. hates him. Absolutely. <laughs> but when they, he, he a rider. 
when he on your side, you love him. And when he's not on your side, you absolutely hate him. And yeah, but as a competitor, you like him anyway. That's true. I Yeah, I couldn't put it better myself, but JD, um, I think that's it for us today. Make sure you check out the other selections on the um, the Running Hook Podcast Network. Make sure you check out Lynn Sanity this week. They're moving into college basketball. And college basketball, you know, March Madness next week, JD. You excited? Yeah, man. You know, you know, I love anything that puts me in a situation to not only watch basketball nonstop, but to be as engaged as I am if I'm as if I'm playing, uh, as if I really know everybody out there because I don't. And it's a learning experience, so it's getting more of my attention. Oh, yeah, you'll learn about it. the top guys in the draft. Hopefully, they'll all go very deep in the draft and we can watch a lot of them play. Um, make sure you check out Circle City Cinema. Um, they haven't put out an episode in a couple of weeks, but the last episode they did was The Last Duel, which was a great episode. I haven't seen the movie, but those two with Bryce and Zach fun time JD it's my understanding that you did a episode of facts and sass today what are the people what can the people expect um man I asked a challenging question and I'll anybody that that listened to it I wonder uh if they could share some light on it because to be completely honest this might be um one of the ones I am most excited to release for one is it's been some time and for two the the conversation well the topics of it is one that I think it challenges the way people live every day. All right, well I can't wait to listen to it. JD, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this wonderful of course, episode. brother. And I want to thank the audience so much for listening.